0: Welcome, it's a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities. Welcome again, I'm Randy Cardoon, and this week we talk with comedian, actor, car guy, more important, and he's really a motorcycle guy, you've seen him as Host of all sorts of programs, he's appeared on Jay Leno's Garage, Racing Jay on everything from autos to motorcycles, and some other things as well. Pride of Queens, New York, ladies and gentlemen, Alonzo Bowden. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. you. I appreciate that intro. Wow. Very cool. You you, uh, are certainly a car guy, and I always find it interesting, just doing a little research on you, that uh, you once worked on the stealth bomber.
1: I worked on the stealth fighter. Fighter. The fighter, the F-117, which was used in the first... uh, Iraq war the interesting thing for me like what I call full circle when I have an experience and then it leads to another I also for the USO entertained the pilots and mechanics of the of those planes like they were uh where did we have them I think we had them in Kuwait we had a base in either Kuwait or Egypt I forget but whichever it was I went there on a USO tour and they had a fleet of F-117s and I started talking to them and they were like wait a minute how do you know all that? I was like <laughs> before you did, son, before you. but uh, yeah, that was that was very interesting. It was my first job. It was my I went to Aviation high School in New York. I learned to build and repair aircraft, got my licenses, and was hired by Lockheed and Burbank. Which that, is,
0: it's literally aviation high school, not yeah. just call Cause we have a high school out here in Southern California called aviation right. high school, but I don't believe it's where the one here
1: is not as deep as ours was. Ours was actually a certified training center. Like in our junior and senior year, you know, we had a long day. We had nine periods of school because nine. the first four periods would be shop and that would be all aircraft and aerospace. And then you'd go to the regular English, you know, Social studies, math, whatever classes. So, yeah, we were uh, aviation was um, it was a great school. I, I I'm glad I did it, and obviously it paid off because it got me to L.A.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the question is, did you come here to L.A. to do comedy, or did you come here to L.A. to work? Oh no, in aircraft? no,
1: I came in aerospace. I had no thoughts of comedy back then. I I was um, aerospace was the job. You know, I never loved airplanes the way some of my friends did. Like to me, it was a job. But, but it was a good job, and, it, and the tech was fun. And, um, you know, we used to borrow things from the company to fix our cars and motorcycles. As a matter of fact, <laughs> one friend, he, and, and I still don't know how he did it, but he somehow got his car into the paint shop and painted it. And aircraft paint is so tough, like, it still looks new 20 years later. Like, that paint is, you know, because airplanes take a beating. And it, it was like, wow, how'd you get, you say, hey, man. Night shift. <laughs> so that was the extreme. But...
0: Did he paint it green or did he paint it silver? Oh no, no it... he painted red. He painted red. Oh. Yeah. All right.
1: So, uh, but yeah, that so that was my first career, and um, you know I've always liked technological stuff. I'll, I'll give you my first car story. Okay. Okay. So my first car was a '67 Camaro SS, and it was it was red, and I got it. This was in 1980 you know, uh, raised the back end with air shocks like hot rods do, put centerline wheels on it, redid the interior, put a stereo in it, it. It was a 350 Chevy engine with a Muncie four-speed rock crusher. You know, that that's what we had back in the day. Mm-hmm. And right after I basically finished the car, it was stolen at Lockheed. And uh, I went and reported it to security because keep in mind at this time, Lockheed was a booming company. There were 20,000 employees. They had basically their own police department, their own fire department. Like it was a, it was a little city, you know. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh yeah, cars get stolen here every day." Like they were very casual about it. <laughs> like, "What?" He said, "Yeah. Well, because the the plane was top secret that we were working on, you go in the gates and then they lock the gates behind you, and you can't leave until the end of the workday." Well, car thieves knew that. So they were like, "Oh, so we just go to Lockheed and go shopping every day?" And and whoever stole mine was nice enough to wait until I finished it. I'm sure he checked periodically. Like, no, he's not <laughs> done yet. Oh, now it's done. Now uh, I'll steal it. So uh, yeah, that was that was my first car.
0: Back in a time where they had no observation, they had no camera looking at the. Uh... Oh yeah, they did. Oh, they, they did. They
1: had some, not. I mean, not as much as today, but they mm. had some. But they mm. said, you know, they said, "Look, there's just too many. Like, we can't patrol." All the lots, all the time. Oh, that but is what so was, lame. What was funny to me, though, was how casual they were about it. Like, oh yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just, you know, another one.
0: Uh huh. So. Let, let me take you back even further. When you were just a little kid. Yeah. And the first car you remember seeing, whether it be an uncle's car, a rel, another relative, or something you saw on the street, something that kind of make you stand up and take notice. Wow, that's kind of cool. You know that that is a.
1: I can tell you the motorcycle story. Uh, when I fell in love with bikes, I I don't know when I fell in love with cars. I think that just developed over time. Um, my had I had an uncle that had an MGB. That was like the first sports car I saw. You know, because I grew up in sixties and seventies, so you you didn't see a lot of those. I mean. You know, saw so Cadillacs, um, mm-hmm. which I really had no interest in at the time. I'm not sure exactly how the love of cars developed. I, you know, it was like car magazines and and um, racing toy cars. You know, the, the I don't know if you remember the Aurora and AFX.
0: Oh, yeah, slot cars. Slot car yeah, racetracks.
1: Absolutely. So that was a big thing growing up. So we we played with those a lot. Like, they it, that cars were just around you. it was just something you grew up liking like you wanted to drive you wanted a car now I I got more into it I think than a lot of New Yorkers you know because New York isn't a car city. it has somewhat of a car culture but it's a different car culture and it's part of why I wanted to move west because when you when you're a kid and you read all the car magazines and the books and you see the t- everything took place in LA It was like, where's Van Nuys Boulevard? Where's Mulholland Drive? Mm -hmm. Where's Sunset? You know, all of that stuff. I remember when I moved out here and we were on Sunset and some lowriders went by and we were, me and my buddies, because Lockheed hired a bunch of us from New York, we were like, wow, that's what the song is about. Because we had never seen one. There were no lowriders in New York, so we had no idea. And then we saw it, we were like, that's what they're talking about. And then we saw it bounce. We were like, that's insane. So... Things like that were cool, yeah. You
0: know, Car Craft was here. Hot Rod Magazine was yeah, here. Yeah, everything,
1: and... everything was here. I mean, I remember going to the speed shops on Van Nuys. That's where I bought my centerline wheels, you know. Because, when again, you're a kid and you're reading about this stuff. And in New York, see, here you can drive at 16. So kids got cars in high school and blah, blah, blah. In New York, you couldn't drive until you were 18. Um, you could get a license. You could get what they called a restricted license. Yeah. But one of the restrictions was it wasn't valid in New York City. But, what? <laughs> yeah, because New York City, you know, it's very crowded and a and, uh, hundred reasons that it's well, not a good true. idea yeah. to let kids drive. So I had my license at 17, even though I couldn't use it, you know.
0: Oh man!
1: Whereas now kids don't get their license until 45. Yeah. So it's and a little. Still different. don't know how to use it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Well, tell, okay. So go ahead. You you started off, and I, I remember looking into it, and you learned to drive in a Nova.
1: Yes, my mom had a '69 Nova. Not a hot rod, just a you know straight six, um, with an automatic. Nothing special about it. But that was yeah, that was the first car that I really drove around. And we were we were a GM family, right? So back you know, back then families had that kind of loyalty, right? You were like a Ford family or a Chrysler. We were GM. So my dad drove Oldsmobiles and this is where me and my dad differ. My dad was one of those people that he bought a car and he drove that thing till it died. You know, he had two, three hundred thousand miles, whatever. Me, I get bored in six months. Like, I, I, you know, a three-year lease, I'm like, I can't make that kind of commitment. <laughs> I'm not going to make three. I've, I don't know how many cars I've had. The last time I totaled up, it was about 35 or so. I don't uh-huh. know. but 35? Um, yeah. Okay. I don't have anywhere to store stuff. I can't collect stuff. And, and I do get bored. So I'll buy something and I drive it. And then, like, okay, I want something else. There's a great video
0: of you, by the way, on uh, the internet the dang internet and it's basically um alonzo's garage yeah and i I thought that was really funny
1: (laughs) yeah i call i call my stuff my Jay leno starter set you know so (laughs) so vehicles come and go there's been a couple only with all the cars i've had i've only regretted uh a couple of them losing or getting rid of most of them you know i enjoyed and then i just got something else
0: well, what if you had a chance to get something you lost to get it back? What would it be?
1: Oh, my 88 Porsche Turbo, mm-hmm. without a doubt. That was the one that got away. And I sold it before they tripled in value. Of course. You know, but that car, it was a beast. I mean, it, the the guy who I bought it from had put bigger a bigger turbo on it. He had put the uh, G55 speed, because they were four speeds back then. He put the five-speed transmission in. And, you know, it ha- it was basically almost a track car on the street. It was a very it had a heavy duty clutch. And that was the problem with it. it was such a hard car. Like when you drove it, everything was hard and it didn't feel right until about 90 miles an hour. Like like I found particularly with sports cars, they have a, a zone where they feel right. That's where that car felt right. You know, that was a car I could take on the freeway late at night. And you could open it up some, and it would just be so in its element, you know. But day-to-day driving it, it was just a hard car. It ended up sitting around the garage all the time. And then I just, you know, I sold it. And, um, yeah, that would be the one the one that got away.
0: They uh, Here in Southern California, if you've ever been out here, they've got this new thing uh, south of uh, the L.A. airport. And it's kind of like the Porsche experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had a chance to take a run on that?
1: I haven't been there yet, but a friend of mine, she who's, <laughs> she laughs because I'll sell cars that she loves. She's like, I can't believe you got rid of that one. But she <laughs> said, you know something, why don't you stop buying cars? Just go there and drive a Porsche when you feel like it, and then you'll get it out of your system. And Because I've had, let's see, how many Porsches have I had? I've had four 911s and a 928. Oh, okay. So, you know, I'll buy them. I drive it for a while. Then for whatever reason, I get rid of it. Then a couple of years later, I'm like, man, I want a Porsche. I want... <laughs> They're the greatest cars. To me, it's the greatest driving car made. The only thing I've driven that matches a 911 is the Audi R8. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, that, that's a, that was a hell of a car. I've, uh, I've driven Lambos and Ferraris. You know, last summer, Ferrari hired me. They were doing a party as part of their 70th anniversary. So we, I met them in Half Moon Bay. They loaned me an FF, which is like their biggest car, but, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. great car. And we drove from there to Napa. We drove like 100 miles. And I drove it, and it was a beautiful car. I mean, it worked perfectly. It was fast. It's got the 12-cylinder, you know, limitless torque, smooth, handles amazing. And they asked me what I thought of it. I said, you know, it's a great car, but it's not two Porsche turbos. Cause that's how much it cost, yeah. right? So I was like, I would buy a Porsche Turbo uh-huh. and maybe a maybe a Turbo Cayenne to go with it. Oh wow! Unless you know, if I had that kind of money, where where buying a three hundred fifty thousand dollar car was no big deal. I think you have to have that kind of money. Like you you can't finance a three hundred fifty thousand dollar car. It could be what are the payments? Is there a rebate? <laughs> <laughs> that's when they ask you to leave. Is yeah. there a rebate, uh sir?
0: Sir, you'll have to leave now. <laughs> Do you watch a lot of these TV shows that really take a... I mean, for example, uh, the Top Gears, the, the shows like that where they will get these really high-end cars and they're able to go out and put them out there to their paces, almost like the show you used to do. It's 101 Cars You Must Drive. back. Uh, it's yeah. been about 10 years, but still you got a chance to drive some interesting cars. Well,
1: that that show was fun. And um, what, what it was... Every episode was like a 6 degrees of separation. That was the theory. So we like we did an episode um Sons of the Father, right? So we, we drove cars that were named after the founding father's son like the Dino Ferrari and the famous one is the Edsel, named after Edsel Ford. What? Which which <laughs> perfectly broke down during the show. Oh, it did was it? like and and it was like people are going to think we did this intentionally, but it actually did. The Edsel we had Broke down. But it was, that show was fun. I got to drive some very interesting stuff. Um, and I'll get to your other question in a minute. But the Model T, have you driven a Model T?
0: I never I've been in one while it's being driven. I've been a passenger, but I've never actually driven was it. Was it converted
1: or was it original?
0: I think it was, well, converted to what?
1: Well, see, this is what they do. Because when you drive a Model T, you're busy. Right. Okay, there's three pedals. Right. There's a pedal for uh, a brake pedal. There's a pedal for forward and reverse, right. and then there's another pedal for high and low gear because it only oh. had two gears. Then you had the throttle was one lever, and the ignition advance was another lever, mm-hmm. and you had to steer. So you're doing all of this, and I was like, how do people drive these things? You like you see them in parades and stuff, and they like, oh, they tra- they change it to an automatic transmission <laughs> and just you know. I was like, oh, but but that was interesting because you think about when people drove Model Ts, like they drove that all the time you know like like the gas tank was a glass bottle under the passenger seat right so you could see how much gas you had you know it was and it's clear, so clear and it was like <laughs> and you really didn't care about your passenger right <laughs> so if they get hit boom that that seat blows up but you're okay <laughs> um but that but that was interesting to drive and um that was the first time i got to drive a ferrari i did get to drive a dino which was you know ferraris are i get it like i understand ferrari lovers and their love of ferraris it, it definitely makes sense but that so that's that was the theme of that show the problem on that show was it was on speed channel and at the same time they had a show called supercars so we couldn't get the supercars we couldn't get Lamborghinis or Ferraris or or McLarens because those were on the show supercar and they did talk about us getting a Lambo because most of the cars we used on that show we borrowed from owners Oh, really? Yeah, we just found someone who owned the car and they would loan it to us or whatever. That Edsel
0: owner was so happy, I'm sure, that the thing crapped out (laughs) in the middle of
1: it. He was was a cool guy out of Hollywood. He was a bicycle guy. He Uh had a bicycle store. Like, that was his business. And he laughed about it. He said, Man, you're driving Edsel. This is what you get, you know? (laughs) We were going to get a Lamborghini. And they were like, Where do you want to shoot it? And I said, Everyone shoots a Lamborghini down the Sunset Strip or on PCH. I said, If we get a Lambo. We're taking it to Seven Eleven. We're oh. just gonna make it like, yeah, yeah. I drive my Lambo <laughs> to Seven Eleven. I gotta get some milk and some pretzels I and like some that. bread. Like it was like, dude, let's do something completely different and ridiculous uh-huh. with it. So that would have been fun, you know. I watched some of the shows on TV. Um, Top Gear was okay. I got a little tired of Jeremy Clarkson with his "I'm gonna not like everything" mm-hmm. routine, you right. know. My problem with the car shows on TV is they're they're so similar, right? So either you have the the old cars with a couple of old guys talking about blah, 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 right? Or you have, you know, we laugh, the guys with, with no shirt sleeves and interesting facial hair building hot rods right so there's, there's four shows with that you know what i mean yeah, it's exactly. like like i wish they would branch out and do something differently i mean that's the problem with tv tv copies right so when there's a formula that works they're just like okay let's make another one let's make and it's like okay i can't so i get bored i can't watch the same thing over there was one in, from england and i don't remember the name of it but these guys were funny cuz they would get like high end cars from junk that were junkers mm-hmm. and then rebuild them and sell them and they were always arguing with each other and this, but it was it was interesting and it was funny because of the cars that they chose you know like they'd find a a bentley that was for 20 grand cuz it had been trashed and then they'd rebuild it and stuff so that that was interesting so i watched i watched some of them but no, I, I don't watch him a lot. Um, I watch Jay's Garage, uh, and not just because he has me on on occasion, but because I always tell people Jay's Garage is what Jay would be doing if he didn't have a TV show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's go to the garage and play with one of my cars. Let's get something weird and go for a drive somewhere. You know that that's just who Jay is. So oh that, sure. That show is is fun for that reason. And I'd love to get on comedians uh, driving cars for for coffee with Seinfeld, but I don't know him. Right. So there's, that's a slim chance of that happening. Well,
0: you never know. Yeah, that's
1: why I said I mean, it's a slim chance. It could happen. But, um, you know, I think he does that show with, with mainly with either really big-name comics or just comics he knows. Again, mm-hmm. this is something that I think it's the kind of thing he would do anyway.
0: Well, he's been going you know, on now. How many seasons? Yeah, I mean, eventually he's going to get to the point where he's going to he's going to run out of pages in his phone yeah, book. Then I'll be there, and then you'll be right there. <laughs> I, I think this is a happening thing. No, I think this. Could he's going to
1: hear this podcast and be
0: like, "Wait a minute." Well, let's how not have I get not carried... had Alonzo on the show. Exactly. Let's not get carried away. But yeah, if he hears it, <laughs> let's. Uh, that would be actually a, a good idea. That would be a good idea. All right. So, what's in your garage right now?
1: Right now, I'm driving. Um, A Mercedes GLE 450, the um, SUV that is that sort of rounded shape that people don't like.
0: Oh, the GLE? Yeah,
1: the GLE. The one? Yeah. Which is basically. The G Wagon. No, no, not the G Wagon. The GLE is shaped like the X6. Oh, okay. Okay. And and this is how much I love that shape. This is the. I've had two X6s and now I bought this. Like every time I get away from them, I'm like, hey, that looks good. So. Um, and you've
0: had this how long
1: I've had this about a year and a half yeah wow. she's she's that's on her a, last legs
0: that's commitment
1: yeah she's on her last legs she's wow. she's on her way out could
0: be getting a ring for that and then soon. I
1: have a um I have an O3 911 turbo mm-hmm. that is um, a bit hot rotted and a nice car that one's going up for sale next week and um that is just a matter of periodically I clean out my garage <laughs> so now I'm cleaning out my garage also <laughs> This is kind of weird. I I bought a house, and I'm I'm kind of doing things with the house so I could keep the car. But I'm like, you know, something? I'm gonna sell this car and build a bathroom. So I'm gonna do that. But but the um, I already have my eye on the next toy, and uh, yeah. So 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 that's what's a, that? Uh, mini.
0: You had one at one I've time. had
1: I've had two of them. Mm-hmm. I love minis, and now I'm looking at the uh, John Cooper Works Countryman. The right. Hot rod version of the big mini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That minis are just fun to drive. They, now you're a big guy. Like,
0: you're six four.
1: There is so much room in minis. It it is an engineering masterpiece to the point where you wonder why other cars can't do this. Because I had a regular mini, honestly, and it was never uncomfortable. There are pictures on my website of yes I fit. I had a mini and a Hummer at the same time. Right. Because I'm a Gemini and I'm confused. There's two <laughs> sides of me. But but no, there, there's plenty of room. I would tell people would you fit in a mini? I'd be like, get in and I'd put the passenger seat all the way back and their feet couldn't touch the front of the footwell. <laughs> yeah. The the biggest mini owner I've heard about, well, on the regular mini is six foot nine. And there's an NBA player who drives a countryman, seven-foot NBA guy who drives a countryman. You know, it's the matter of the engine being forward, transverse engine mounted forward of the axle or just above the front axle. And they give you all of the space up to that, which is why I say I don't know why other cars can't engineer that. And the other thing they do in the small minis, they know, look, chances are no one's going to be behind you. So the front seat goes all the way back to where it practically touches the back seat Mm -hmm. because... If you're buying a Mini, you, know, you probably don't have a family of five. <laughs> you yeah, know, so exactly. It's, it's basically a two-seater with an emergency back seat. So amazing, amazing leg room in the Mini. And it's like driving a go-kart. It's short wheelbase. It's quick, quick revving engine. They're just really fun to drive. You know, they have all the bells and whistles. I think that's going to be my next car.
0: Very nice. I I used to work as a sportscaster at the local Fox station here in Los Angeles, and we used to cover the Clippers and the Lakers and all that. There was a player by the name of Kevin Duckworth. I remember him. He was huge. He was a huge guy. And one day I heard Loy Vaught, then alive and then with the Clippers, had um, he got himself a Porsche. And it was amazing. And we decided to go out and do kind of a sequence about players' cars. Yeah. So Loy gets in, and he shows me how this has been adjusted so the seats can go all the way back. Right. And he's sitting back and all that. Duckworth comes up, and he shows me his Mustang convertible. And he gets into the Mustang, and he puts the seat all the way back, and his knees... We're right up against the dashboard. Now, remember, this guy's 6'9", yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. So you're wondering, oh, my gosh, how does this guy not get a better car? But back then, I think it was after his days at Portland, so he was maybe not in the best NBA financial yeah. situation. But th- it's amazing that guys can come in and and fit in a car like that. On your show, uh, the 101 Cars, didn't you have an experience with a 4'2"? A, a with a For, What was that called? Um,
1: oh, Smart Car. Smart Car, yeah, yeah oh, Smart yeah. I, No, I did some tiny cars. So we did the Smart Car, which was, it was small, but that wasn't the big problem with it. The big problem with that thing was it had the worst transmission. It had some kind of two-speed transmission, like you would step on the gas, then you'd go out grab something to eat get back in the car have a seat and then it would start accelerating like it was such a (laughs) slow and you know the thing with little cars like that if they're not fun to drive then you know why bother and that was the big contrast between that and the mini i also drove the original honda civic which was called the honda 600 because it had a 600 cc engine in it that was a tiny car i have a picture of that next to a mini and it like it makes a mini look like a full size car. Uh-huh. That thing was was just <laughs> tiny. And then I did an episode of Jay's Garage where Jay was like, "Cars we can fit Alonzo into." And uh, some of them, like one I remember, the Pantera.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was the Pantera. It was a Pantera. That thing was so small inside, like I could, you know, literally. I had to do a combination of yoga and gymnastics to get in it, and then, like, my face was Good against the windshield. And the thing was, they said Elvis had one, and I was like, whoo fat Elvis didn't. <laughs> fat Elvis didn't have one of these, or if he did, he only looked at it. And there were a few other cars that we that we drove that were like that. Like, they look, they look big on the outside, but they were tiny on the inside. And then some other cars, particularly European cars, that looked tiny on the outside, but had plenty of room because in Europe, the streets are small and everything. So they built cars that way. There was some old classic Fiat that he got me. And I I'm, I'm think it was a Fiat, if I remember. And it was amazing how much leg room was in it, you know. So, yeah, it, it's something you do. Now, when you're a pro athlete, a lot of them obviously have their cars modified. I think the funniest one was... Manute Bowl, who um, was like seven foot eight or something yeah, like that. Remember, seven, seven, yeah. They just took out the front seats. <laughs> he just drove, he just <laughs> sat in the back seats and drove, and it was like, oh, this
0: fits fine. Yeah. So, just a, a little bit on the outside. Most claustrophobic car you've ever been in.
1: Ah, let's see. It's a good question. Um, hmm, let me think about that. Well, for while a minute. you're thinking, it, it's, ah, uh, go ahead. Fiat 500.
0: Yeah. Okay. The old okay. one. The, oh, the, the old original one. one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which, which I did, that was on the pilot episode of my show. And what we did was I drove it, and then we opened the top, and I stuck my head out of the top and my arm out of the side. And I'm like, oh, now I can drive it. That, that's a tiny car.
0: Yeah, it's like your Herman Munster or something yeah, like that. Behind yeah. the, in, fact, in fact, you're driving around at the Camaro convertible or something like that, and your head comes up, and you're over the windshield and all yeah. that.
1: That's the, the. It's funny you mention that. The new Camaros, yeah. <sighs> I don't like the like the door sill is too high and the window too small, so the visibility sucks.
0: I was going to say that, and I endorse Chevrolet's for our yeah. radio station, but and I love the concept of the Camaro. Uh, there was a situation uh, with the with the bag airbags, mm-hmm. yeah. and I've and mentioned this on the podcast before and I don't think you've heard it, but uh, basically when my podcast on my little Honda Insight that I had because my daughter was a cheerleader and I had to drive her all over the place, so I mm-hmm. got rid of my Dodge Magnum with the Hemi in it. Um, <laughs> I had to qualify that, did you notice? Uh, so They said to me, look, the thing's going to explode. You know, you're going to get shrapnel in your face. I said, well, I'm not going to drive that. Honda says, well, we'll just rent you a car. I said, great. So they rented me a car. And after three weeks, and I realized it was going to be months before I got the car back, I just, every couple weeks, would go back to Enterprise, and I would say, so uh, what else you got? Oh, yeah. Well, I got a Camaro convertible. Wasn't bad. I could always, if I get nervous, I could always take the top down. But then I had a Camaro Camaro hardtop. Oh my gosh, it's like it's like driving one of those military vehicles. Yeah, like you're, you're looking through a slot. Exactly, and that just unnerved me. I'm happy to know I'm not the only one.
1: And the other thing about the Camaro, and again, this is where it's like, do the engineers test this stuff? And I remember when we, when I worked in aerospace, we used to always say, like, you know, the engineers should come down and see what they drew. <laughs> And see, it. and sometimes they would, and they'd be like, "Oh, wow! Oh, that that is a bad idea." Like, yeah, <laughs> the trunk on the Camaro, the opening of the trunk, uh-huh. it had like it opens up. You load it vertically and try to maneuver stuff, and you it was hard to get a suitcase in
0: uh-huh.
1: because of the design of the trunk. Now they may have changed it, but it seemed like something simple. Like, wouldn't you test this? <laughs> wouldn't you just go to the car with a suitcase and say, "Hey, we can't put this in here." Let's no. let's change the opening of the trunk. It just seems to me like, and I'm a Camaro guy. Like I said, it was my first car. I love them. I think um, I think what Chevrolet is, well, all the American cars, but but Chevrolet in particular, what they've done with these super high horsepower, great handling cars at a relatively reasonable price, is great. But
0: what, what do you think about the Dodge Challenger? I mean, it's been around, fan. been around 28 years it's now. It's too but, big. Uh,
1: Uh, I like the Charger better with the four-door. The Challenger, to me, has always been too big to be a pony car, you know, because it's always been bigger than the Mustang and the Camaro, Mm -hmm. and I just don't know why. So, I mean, they're, they're great cars, but I just always thought they were too big.
0: When I've had people on the show, it always comes up to this conversation, um... Which guy are you? Are you a guy? And again, I understand you don't like it, but it's but if you had a choice and you were going to drive one, would you be the demon guy with the you know tons of horsepower, the Hellcat, which has now been relegated to grocery getter because it you know how would mm-hmm. you like to be buying a Hellcat? And then all of a sudden the demon comes out. Yeah. Suddenly you're not the big guy on campus anymore. Uh, the 392 SRT with the shaker. The simple RT with the shaker, or the rental car that's six cylinder, but you get thirty miles per gallon. Hellcat. You're a Hellcat.
1: Yeah, because that's the ultimate sleeper. True. You know, because you can drive it around like just like like it is the rental car. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, granted, it's going to drink gas, but other than that, you can drive it around. But every now and then, you step on it, and it just makes you laugh. I like cars <laughs> that make me laugh because they're just <laughs> ridiculous. So you stomp on. 700 horsepower although you know at this point the horsepower wars are just numbers yeah you know what i mean because because it's like listen it it, unless you're a professional driver or you really have the time to go out of your way to do it you will never know the difference between a 500 horsepower car and a 700 horsepower car you just can't use it and and i've talked to people who've driven the hellcat and the you know cut and they're like it's too much power you can't it's I mean, traction control saves you all the time, but then you're always driving on a traction control. It's it's to me, it's more fun to have something little. Like if you had a, have, I don't know if you've driven a BMW M2.
0: No, I have okay. Not
1: if you don't like your license, <laughs> grab an M2 and go out for a drive, right? Because uh-huh. it's only 320 or 330 horsepower, but it's this little two seat coupe that handles amazing, and it's so much fun, and you're always driving too fast because you never feel like it's too much or it's out of control or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's that that theory, and I think this is really true. It's more fun to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow.
0: Yeah, and any time you ever see people with the Challengers, what are they doing? They're burning rubber. Yeah. And yeah. that's cool, I guess, but if you have money for tires up the walls, and, you know, and tickets, yeah, you know, and too. tickets. I yeah. mean,
1: it's uh, you know, exhibition of speed is a crazy ticket. No, I think um, you know, and people think it's funny because I'm a big guy, but small fast cars are really fun to drive. Now the corvettes, corvettes a great car. That that's Leno. Leno loves corvettes. He's a huge corvette guy. I like them too. Um, I had the worst Corvette. I mean, the worst. It was a '78 anniversary pace car. Okay, Okay. For for you young kids listening, the late 70s were the worst period ever for American cars because they had smog regulations that they couldn't figure out. Mm -hmm. They had to suddenly look at gas mileage, which they had never looked at before. So it was like a 350 V8 that made like 170 or 180 horsepower. And when it broke down, which it did all the time, You'd go into the parts place, and I need a, you know, I need an intake manifold, cause literally the manifold cracked. Now, how does that happen, right? And they're like, and then I said, so they look at the Chevy puts a small block V8 in everything, uh-huh. in everything, right? It's yep. the most popular engine probably ever made. They go to get the parts book for a Corvette. Oh, that's a different book. Everything for <laughs> oh no, that's in the other more exp- yeah. That car, a radiator. Intake manifold, exhaust manifold. It lost a wheel while I was moving, which tore off the uh, tore off the fender. Wait a minute,
0: that's a great story. How did me, lose a wheel?
1: I was I was driving and I felt something like you know when your wheels out of balance, you uh-huh. feel a wobble. And I had a girlfriend of mine; she was in the car, and she said, "Oh my God, there's a wheel on the freeway!" And I was like, "That's mine." <laughs> And that's all I said with that's mine. And I said, hold on. And as the car slowed down, it just, and you just hear this incredible. Grinding noise. Let me tell you something. It's not like when you're watching F1 and a wheel goes off and yeah. the car's still balanced and it's like, "Ooh, that was cool." No, it's a whole different no. thing. So, and b- the car being fiberglass, when the wheel broke off, it took out a piece of the fender, and um, so I slapped it back together and traded it for an RX7. <laughs> All right, probably a smart idea.
0: Yeah, RX7s were
1: nice. RX7s were great. I had a couple of those. Yeah, but um, yeah, that Corvette. And again, it it was just those were the worst years of American cars. Those American cars in the late '70s. Well, they were fat too. Were just oh, they were
0: just garbage. They were like, they were basically like a puffer fish that it was puffed up because right. I mean, if you think about even the bigger cars, the Cadillacs, yeah. the big Chevys, all that, they were just huge. And then they slimmed it down in '77 to something that was right. not quite as fat.
1: And it it was all that stupid engineering. They had that um that 468 engine. Yes. That would try to switch from, you know, to say and and this was when the Japanese just started coming over. Mm-hmm. You know, the Toyotas and the Hondas and Datsuns and people were like, "Oh, I'm not buying that tin can. I'm not buying that piece of crap." And and honestly, that was the beginning of the end of the American car industry because they took the customer for granted. Mm-hmm. The, the engineering was just bad. We, we were dealing with that planned obsolescence, right? They wanted the car to only last for the four years it took to pay it off. Right. And people started realizing two things. They started, the Japanese started making their cars a little better. And people also started noticing, hey, if I buy a European car, it'll cost more. But it'll last forever like so people were stepping up to Mercedes and BMW and they were paying like yeah I'll pay this extra at that time you know ten thousand dollars because this car is gonna last 10 years and and it really I' I'm, I'm a car guy and I love American cars and it's a shame that now we have a generation like they're not really in the car but if they are they wouldn't even think of it buying an American car mm-hmm. you know if they had to list 10 cars, other than maybe a Corvette or a Hellcat or something if they're a horsepower person. Otherwise, I bet an American car wouldn't make their top 10 for the average 20-something.
0: Well, and now we've got uh, reports that Ford is going to give up making cars.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just trucks and SUVs. And that's
0: that's just mind-boggling.
1: And again, short-sighted. Yeah. Short-sighted because, yeah, gas is cheap now, but who knows how much gas is going to cost in three to five years and, right. and on and on. You know, so
0: is it true you don't really work on your cars? No, no, and and
1: not it no one can anymore. I mean, nowadays technology has reached a point where I had this. I had a BMW Alpina, right, monster car. I said when you open the hood, I said that thing should have just said none of your business. <laughs> Whatever goes on <laughs> under here has the, you. You know, with the technology involved now, with the the diagnostic tools required and specialty tools. Who's working on their own car? You keep your car clean. Yeah, you might. I I had a um, that car. As a matter of fact, there was no dipstick. You check the oil electronically through the dash. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think no. It wasn't that one. It was another BMW I had, but I don't think BMW is putting dipsticks in cars anymore. And and you know, I had this discussion with Titus. You know Chris Titus, sure. supercar guy. Uh-huh. Titus is an old hot rod guy. Right. And I'm a modern tech guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, You know the difference, Titus? Like, you can have 500 horsepower in a, you know, 60s muscle car. Mm-hmm. I had a Cadillac CTS V. It's like, yeah, I got 500 horsepower. I got heated and cooled seats. I got navigation. I got, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, we're, to me, we're in the golden age of cars right now because the technology makes them more reliable. You get crazy horsepower, reasonable mileage, and all the comfort of home inside the car. But are you going to work on it yourself? No. Yeah. You, you know. You. You. No. You're not.
0: <laughs> well, even 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 if you're like, uh, uh, I've got a couple of old cars. I got a '64 Dodge Polara that I've talked about on the show, and it's got a 440 in it, and it rumbles, and it's nice, and yeah. it's fun, and it moves. But, yeah, let's take it to a car show this past Saturday where it was 105 degrees, and you're just not going to make it. And you're, right. now you're considering, oh, God, now I'm going to have to start going, getting vintage air or whatever the air conditioning thing you want. Well, to we used in.
1: to call it 460 air conditioning.
0: 460.
1: Yeah. Lower the four windows, do sixty. That's how you got air. <laughs>
0: that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely true. Absolutely
1: yeah. true. No, so, so that's why I don't work on things because, again, I mean, if you really want to dedicate yourself to it, you can. But it's a lot. A friend of mine, he had a, a Jeep Cherokee, and I think it needed a starter. And he he said, "I'm." A, he went to Pep Boys, whatever. He bought his starter. It was a day and a half because you had to remove so much to get to it, right? Because now everything is so compact. And so, so and, so, and I, I said to him, I said, okay, you did it yourself. Now, how much did that cost you? Think of how you get, what you get paid, break down your salary to an hourly wage. How much did it cost you to change that versus taking it to a shop? And he was like, yeah, you're right. I said, yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, no, that's... That's certainly something. A friend
1: a friend told me that a long time ago. He said you have to look at your time versus the repair and and is it gonna be worth your time first going to somebody who has a shop, who knows what they're doing, who's gonna get it done faster than you and so on and so forth. And it was like, Yeah, you got a point.
0: Alonzo Bowden is joining us here on Talking About Cars, and uh, we're talking about cars. You know, you had mentioned earlier, um, actually, when I was doing some research, I noticed that when you had that Hummer you were talking about, because you're so on the road a lot with being a comedian and hitting various comedy clubs, sometimes you'll take the Hummer with you, and you'll go out and do things car-wise with it on the road, or at least you used to. Where are the best places to do a car thing on the road that you remember, that come to mind.
1: Well, with the the Hummer, I took it. Um, I was doing a gig in Laughlin, and I drove there and I took it off road because everyone says nobody ever drives Hummers off road. So I was like, I'm taking mine off road. So I did. I found this dirt road, and um, you had an H2. Yeah, I had an H2, mm-hmm. and it it was fun. It wasn't any you know it wasn't any major. Um, You know hardcore off-roading, but it was like now I can say I took mine in the dirt Um, you know Driving in other places like renting a car and driving in certain places can be fantastic Especially if you haven't been there Uh, so There's some great roads in the southeast, you know in the Carolinas and Tennessee I haven't done a dragon, but I've done that there. I've rented a car renting, um, renting a sports car is always fun. I mean, Hertz, you know, you gotta, you gotta give up four kinds of ID and your, you know, <laughs> promise of your first born. Yeah. But Hertz does have, you can, you can rent a Corvette and some of the other places you can rent a high end, uh, Mercedes or BMW or something and just drive it, which, which I think that experience is always great. You talked about the Porsche driving experience. When you go to Vegas they have a place called Speed Vegas that is fantastic. So you you go there. That's where I did the, they, I think they called it the Italian job. And it was a few hundred bucks. It's not cheap, but it was worth it. And I got to do laps in a Lambo and in a Ferrari. Oh, how much money was know? that? Yeah, it was great. And you do it back to back and they have a pro driver in the car. So those experiences are great. Um, when I was in Sydney, Australia, I rented a motorcycle and rode out of Sydney and their equivalent of PCH. Like there's a highway that goes around Australia along the coast and I did like a couple of hundred miles of that. So yeah, those those kind of experiences are cool. Also, sometimes there's just weird, funky little local car shows or something. I was in Florida. I want to say it was Sarasota, but I'm not sure what town, but they had a, like it was a Sunday afternoon car show and I went there and some guy had fully restored an AMC pacer. Really? And the whole question is, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, but it was, it was, and this thing, it was beautiful. It was a showroom AMC pacer. And you see something like that and you're like, okay, that means, you know, there, the internet has created that, right, where you know. There's an AMC Pacer Club on the internet. no, there is. And and for any car like that. So it is kind of cool to see people do things like that. When I had my show, 101 Cars, we went to the International Checker Cab Show in Michigan. And the reason it was international was because Carl would come down from Canada. That's what made it. The international. Carl would come down. Yeah, Carl would bring his down from Canada. So we call it international. (laughs) It was just these old guys who had Checker, but they had a couple of them had cabs, but a couple of them had cars because Checker was a car company. Sure. And uh, yeah, so so you you run into things like that. I think that's kind of cool when you see the the local car culture.
0: Absolutely no. They, in fact, uh, I believe you posted something on Facebook. Uh, not that I'm stalking you or anything, but you were at uh, Supercar Sunday out here. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, yes.
1: Yeah, so what I did at Supercar Sunday, because I'm like car shows to me, unless there's a, they can get boring. Cause right. You just walk around and it's like, okay, I've seen. So I started looking for everything that something or some version of every car that I've owned. Oh, wow. That was my thing walking around. So, you know, because I saw this Supra. I had like an 80. I think mine was an 83. It was the first generation Supra. I saw one of those. I said, wait, I had one of those. And then I saw something. I said, I had one of those. And I like, all right, let me see how many of these I've had some version of. And and it turned out to be about, I think it was a dozen, maybe a couple more, which was
0: cool. Mm-hmm. Top five cars. That someday you want—that's on your Alonzo Bowden, I want that top list. Top of my top of my dream car list:
1: <clears throat> uh, Bentley Continental GT. That—that's the one I want. I—I'm always tempted to buy an old one, but I'm—but I'm like, eh, I'm not really a Bentley guy. Because when you pull up in a Bentley, there's certain assumptions. One of which is that you have money.
0: I can, so. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. But why. now
1: I mean you can get an old Bentley GT, right, for, for fifty grand, sixty grand. You and it's a nice it's, it's sure. a Bentley G T. Yeah. But then there's still everything that goes with it. So I haven't done that yet. But I'm not saying I wouldn't. But okay. anyway. Uh Bentley GT slash Rolls Royce Wraith at the top of the list. Um what else would be on my list? Uh Porsche Turbo, the like the newest. Mm-hmm. Whatever the newest Porsche Turbo is would definitely be on my list. I'd like a truck. I've never had a full size pickup truck, and now full size truck like I I GM loaned me a denali mm-hmm. and I was like, Man, this is an escalade with a bed in the back. <laughs> this was yeah, yeah. I'd like a denali or uh or you know So the, you're
0: talking SUV as opposed to a truck. No, no, truck. the truck. I oh. want the
1: pickup truck. Yeah, oh, I want the okay. I want the pickup truck version. So yeah, so so a Sierra Denali or whatever the Ford equivalent would be. Um, what do they call it? The King Lariat or whatever. Yeah, you know. something
0: like that. Something like that. Like but the yet, president has like in a, Texas.
1: A full size luxury pickup truck okay. because they have so much room inside. You know, that, you could sleep that, in it. Yeah, you can. You can. So I I would put that on my list. Um, let's see, what else would I put on my list? A supercar. Um, you know, like a a McLaren or a Lamborghini, something like that. Um, I think I think those are, yeah. I'd like to have C, one Bentley supercar. and Rolls
0: Royce because that would mean you have money.
1: Right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. A... Okay. You know, or or in L.A. it means you rented it. Um, <laughs> so that those would be on my list. What what it would be the fifth? <laughs> Let me see, that's 4. What would be the fifth car on my on my dream car list?
0: Would you ever uh, be interested in a, in an older one, a classic or anything?
1: You know, I was going to say I would probably go back to a 69 Camaro Z28, which cuz that was my first car was a Camaro and that was the ultimate of the 60s Camaro muscle right. cars. That's true. So that would be, you know, or a 63 Corvette split window. But now I mean now you're talking like unicorn dream car kind of thing you know that yeah it would be nice i i think if you have a 69 z28 you could drive it if you have a 63 split window you can't because if something you know it's just one of those things well, if, if something, something breaks the window it, or something like right, that right there, there's so few of them now sure. it's like you you know you can, you can you could drive it but i don't know if you would. when we were doing 101 cars you must drive We did an episode called The Bond Cars. We did James Bond's car. And I didn't know this. Our producer was like a savant on cars. Like, you could name any car. He could tell you the history. Oh, just old cars. He knew all about them, Mm -hmm. this and that. So I didn't know this. James Bond's first car was a 1927 Bentley. But that was in the books, not in the TV show. Right. So we got one. There was a, uh, a guy in Orange County. We were up on Azusa Road. For people listening who don't know, this is 40 miles apart. Yeah. Something but, like that.
0: Well, give or take 40 miles in about three hours right. based on freeway traffic.
1: Yeah. He drove the car there. And I was like, you drove this like million dollar. 1927 Bentley through Orange County and L.A. traffic to come. Yeah, and then he pulled up and he had the leather helmet and the goggles, you know, and he was like all in. And his wife said, yeah, this is his thing. And that car, to get it serviced, he puts it on a ship and sends it to England once a year Where there's some old guy, you know what I mean, that kind of guy who knows how to fix 1927 Bentleys because his father showed him how. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh! And yeah, so once a year, once a year he does that. I loved that. That like to have a car like that and drive it. I think that's just as cool as could be. And his wife's like, yeah, he takes it out just about every Sunday. He goes for a drive, and it's like, that's awesome. And, yeah. you know, that was one of those you have to learn to drive because it's sure. a whole different procedure. So, uh, yeah, I think it's cool if you have a car like that and wow. use it.
0: Tell me a little bit about now, Opening Act is what you're doing now. Tell opening me about act. the movie, which is, which is kind of like uh, about comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie um, written and directed by a, a comic named Steve Byrne. Who had a show on TBS called Sullivan and Son? And it's the story of a young comic who has a day job and a girlfriend, and he's doing open mics at night. He's starting out, and he gets his first road gig, and it happens to be opening for his idol in comedy, his, you know, who is the guy who had made it to stardom and had a sitcom and all, and is now the old veteran, old master. So it, it's kind of like, yeah, the young kid. And the old master and and the guy in between the middle act is the road comic party guy so it's kind of like this kid is learning what it's like to be a comedian how to go on the road and the choices you have to make um it's a very funny movie there are so many comedians in the movie because steve basically called in a lot of friends and said hey i'm doing this movie so uh, the star is a guy named Jimmy O Yang, who you may know from a show called uh, Silicon Valley. Cedric the Entertainer plays the old veteran comic, and that's just what said is mm-hmm. one of the old masters. Absolutely. Um, Whitney Cummings is in it. Roy Wood Junior is in it. Ken Jeong is in it. Uh, Tom Segura. Is in it and and Neil Brennan is in and the list goes on and on like every like I'm playing a security guard You know Tom Segura (laughs) plays a cop like every offbeat Uh little role Uh a comic is playing that role You know Uh there's a comic playing a girlfriend and a comic playing a date and and so on and it's it's all uh, Alex I can't remember Alex's last name, but he's a cast member from saturday night live and alex plays the party comic right and it's it was a it's really it's going to be a really funny movie it's really fun to shoot because it's just picturing
0: him and it's blanking on my his name as well but that's okay (laughs)
1: yeah and you know we we get to what you do is you do two shots on the script and then they're like all right have fun with this one and then we go into so when he edits it like We don't know which one he's going to use because there's there's a scripted version and then there's the unscripted comics just talking version. Any idea when it's going to come out? I I would guess next year with the timing it takes to make a movie. I think they finish shooting um, this week and then, you know, then the edit process starts and the post-production and et cetera, et cetera. Uh To those listening who've never done it, it takes a long time to make a movie. It is not that easy to do a real Full-on professional one. So, yeah, it'll take him a few months.
0: Now, Uh, of course, if you want to see or hear Alonzo uh, doing some other things, you've got your own podcast. I have a podcast. It's called Who's Paying
1: Attention, um, which goes back to my first Showtime special. And the the reason I went with Who's Paying Attention, I think with all the craziness going on in our society, okay, whether it be government, social, whatever – I think the press is the ones who, it's like, it was your job to watch everybody. It was your job, you know, and, and like I did, did a joke a long time ago, you know, Walter Cronkite never would have put up with Sarah Palin, right? <laughs> so so it goes yeah. back to that idea, like, who's paying attention? Like, you know, um, Louis Black, who's a brilliant comic friend uh-huh. and one of my comedy heroes, he said, you know, now the problem is we we got— Liberal facts, you got conservative facts. You, what happened to fact facts? Where, yeah. where are fact facts at? And that, and so so who's paying attention is my version of, yeah, cut through the BS. This is the truth. I talk about news stories, but what's behind the joke, you know, and it's usually just me. One occasion I have a guest, it's usually just me, and people are nice enough to listen to me ramble for 20 minutes or so. I never do more than 30 minutes, never, because I don't want to give you too much of me and bore you.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This will be a two-parter, by the way. Uh. <laughs> no, this worked out great. No, this, this was great. It's, it's it, fun. It's fun to talk about cars. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. When you get somebody who you know in a certain vein, whether it be comedy or acting or, or hosting or whatever it is, uh, even even the regular guys out there, you get them to talk about cars. They won't talk to media about certain things, but you get them to talk about cars It just goes.
1: Well, it's still, you know, I think what makes it fun is there's still toys. There's still toys. And, and, you know, and if you're lucky, like I tell everybody, every car nut, if you had Jay Leno's money, you would have Jay's garage, right? Like, that's why we all love him, because he's the ultimate version of us, you know, and— I think that that excitement. That's it's still fun to, It may be boring to drive ninety percent of the time, but you get to have fun that ten percent of the time. Or you get excited when you see a new car, or you buy a new car, or a new old car, whatever it is. You know, there's there's certain things, and you never have to explain yourself with car people. You know what I mean? Like when you're like, for instance, if you're at Sunday's car show, you don't have to explain why you have three cars. Nope. People get it, and, and they know one of them is a project that's never going to be finished, but that's okay. You know, it, it's like we get that. That's what's fun about car guys, and women. And women. There are definitely uh, women who are into cars, you know, beyond posing next to them. Um, I've been to Japan a couple of times. I'm still looking for that place where they did the Fast and the Furious, where every Japanese woman is in a Catholic schoolgirl miniskirt hanging out of the street race. I still haven't found that. <laughs> I want to find that place because that just seems like a fun place to be. But I, I love Fast and Furious movies because they're comical. It is like, man, what a world. That would be good. I didn't know, you know exotic cars could fly between buildings, but why not?
0: Hey, <laughs> it works for me, that's for sure. Absolutely. You know, we didn't even get a chance to talk about your motorcycles this time. but Yeah, we'll, let's, let's do let's another do, one. Let's do another one, and we'll, we'll definitely get you I would love to do in. a
1: motorcycle one because, believe it or not, as much as I ramble on about cars, bikes are my passion. Uh-huh. I absolutely love bikes because I call them my escape vehicle. You know, when I'm alone in my helmet and I'm just going, I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to be any, you know, it's just it's something different. Yeah, so I like it.
0: And you never text and ride. No, (laughs) that would be really hard (laughs) Comedian and actor Alonzo Bowden Don't forget his new movie And of course his podcast By the way, that SNL comedian we were talking about Alex Moffat, of course Of course, Alex, we know you, certainly. Remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com, so that way you can be notified when a new Talking About Cars is uploaded and you won't be missing a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a comment and rate us. That's right, you can rate us on iTunes. I'm hoping five stars. I'm thinking this is worthy of that. What do you think? Tell us what you think of the podcast. Our website, TalkingAboutCars.net. And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Randy Crudoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.